Hi, this is Jennifer Reichert, the producer of the Cry Havoc podcast. Our discussion of headshots and resumes will be divided into two parts. On today's episode, we discuss headshots, and in our next episode, the conversation continues as we discuss resumes. From New York City, a podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have Jersey Gwizdowski, I'm an actor. Carrie Flanagan, I'm an actor. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a director and a writer. Today, we're talking about headshots and resumes, which are the primary marketing tool that actors use in marketing themselves to the industry when they're out looking for work. We're going to talk a lot about sort of what we have found makes effective headshots and resumes. Uh, It is something that is an ongoing discussion among actors all the time. And uh, certainly over time, styles have changed and preferences have changed. But hopefully we'll hit on some of the, the core things of what makes a headshot and resume most likely able to get you work. So to start off, why are your headshots and resumes important? I'd say the headshot and resume is important because in many cases, in most cases, it's the first contact that a potential employer or a potential representative or a potential collaborator is going to have with you. And you want to make not only a good impression, but an accurate impression of what you bring to the table. And I think in some cases, it might be your only contact with that person. That If they are not impressed with your headshot and resume, they may have no interest in meeting you live. So it, it has to be good enough that they, that, that they want an in-person meeting. And also, importantly, that it's not just good enough, but it also, again, is accurate enough that they will know to have you in for the things that you are right for, Mm -hmm. which I think is is, is an especially important thing we're probably going to end up talking about. I, I also think it's worth saying that it is incredibly important, and yet somehow it's also in some ways not as important as some people make it, which is to say, again, It is unbelievably important, but actors make themselves crazy going over the details of it. And I I am of the bias. I think that what makes an effective headshot and resume generally is the macro, sort of the big story that it tells about you, and the micro, that there will be little details that you have no control over whether they will be interesting to to a casting director, an agent, or a director, but they might find little details about you interesting. But I I think a lot of times when actors are preparing their headshots and resumes, they get caught in the middle ground of trying to outguess people and trying to figure out what the quote-unquote right way to do their headshot and resume is. And there really is no right way other than something that is professional and really accurately portrays the product that you bring to the table when you show up. So again, the people who are receiving it know to bring you in for the things that they will be interested in you for. Mm-hmm. So to start off, let, let's talk about headshots first. The pictures of actors, <clears throat> their heads specifically, um, <laughs> that they send. Uh, it's actually undergone a big change in the past uh, five or seven years, specifically in the fact that for years and years and years, they were black and white photos. And there were a few years where it was a bit of a crossover, but now it is just the industry standard that they're color photos that you send out. How would you guys define a good headshot? What makes an effective headshot? Well, I think the, the primary thing that makes a headshot effective is that it looks like you look and not like you look like on your best day with the team of glamour people working on you. And but how lighting. you look when you show up to an audition and when you show up to a meeting. Mm. So that when... When you walk into a room and people look at your headshot and look at you, they're not disappointed in any way. And, and, and that's generally how it is because they're expecting something good because they called you in. And if for some reason you don't match, 
even if you look good and the shot is also good, if it is just different than what they're looking for, it will still be a disappointment because they called the person in the photo and you showed up. Even if you look great or are talented, there's the, I mean, that's the whole thing. They're, they're calling someone in based on what they, they see in the photo. And, if, and you want to meet that expectation, the best possible version of that expectation. And generally, they're not calling in a person because they want to see a person who looks like that randomly, but they have a picture in their head of what the character that they're casting for looks mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that idea of one, being sure that you, you don't disappoint them as part of it, but again, that you are getting into the right rooms. Mm -hmm. I agree with all of those things, and I would also add that there is a, an aspect of your headshot that also needs to reflect not only you, how you look, but your personality, which I think it might be useful to go back and listen to the conversation that you guys had around the table uh, in the uh, previous episode about actor type, mm -hmm. um, and knowing uh, what you offer and what if, you know, for me, for example, I'm a tall, skinny guy. So it's important that in my headshot, I have one that um, I use that really reflects that and shows it's a three-quarter. So people know I'm a tall, skinny guy, and they should call me in for Andrew Aguecheek and not Toby Belch. You know, you, you want to represent yourself well and also, you know, let your personality come across. If you're, if you're uh, you know, really intense or if you're really quirky, if you're really funny and you know what you get cast in and you know how people see you in the business and how, what your strengths are, you want the headshot to reflect those strengths because often you will get the type of work that is suggested by uh, how you appear and how you come across in the headshot. And you want to come across as the type of person, personality-wise, in the photo that you are in the same way that you want to come off as the same type of person looks-wise that you are in the photo when you walk into the room. I also think it's important to say kind of right off the bat that I think that you, a person should have a couple of different headshots that maybe shows two different sides of them, that shows them being you know more serious or shows them being more fun, that you can pick for specific auditions or specific people that you're sending it to, um, you know, the one that's most appropriate. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, it's that that idea that goes to what both of you are saying is that really it's a commercial for your product. And, and, and I totally agree that this is actually really a companion discussion with the discussion we had about actor type and figuring out what your, what your product is, because that's what you want is something that's going to put that across. That said, there are different versions of your product that are more appropriate for different circumstances. That, that if you are interested in both doing kind of dramatic plays and also commercial work, the odds of you having a headshot that's going to both get someone want to bring you in for a pincher play and a toothpaste commercial is fairly slim. <laughs> um, even though you can have both of those things in you. And so that idea of having things that, that speak to the different kinds of work that you do. I don't think it requires that you have 15 different headshots, but two certainly, and potentially three or four, depending on, uh, on what categories of things you go in for a lot. Well, especially nowadays, a lot of stuff is done electronically. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's easy to have you know, a collection of four or five that you can really send out which one. Digitally. Yeah, digitally. Because yeah. a lot of a lot of conventions of headshots are were and still are dictated by printing costs and mm -hmm. you know, just the fact of taking film and printing it, you know, in however many quantity that they offer. And those standards have changed, like changing from black and white to color. Color printing became something that was cheap enough to do on a large scale and having several headshots has also become cheaper where it used to be you just had one or two now you can have several because of the electronic you know you can send submit yourself electronically now you could have every single one of your headshots electronically it doesn't cost you anything except your initial session but it you know for printing you know you're going to be limited by you know how many you can afford to get printed that's true. At the introduction to the episode, I, I assumed, Kit, that you were going to say that the major revolution that's happened in the last couple of years was to digital rather than to color, and they both are the case and I think are related to each other. Yeah. But for example, I brought in to show you guys my first contact sheet from my first headshot um, you know, uh, photo shoot, and the, the contact sheet is sort of a relic now because the digital availability of the photos is so... Is so um, yeah, now you get a disc. You get a disc, exactly. You could, and also the photographer can take so many more photos, hundreds mm -hmm. and hundreds of photos. You're not, there's not a waste of film, as, as Jen was saying. And that's really opened it up a lot more and actually gives 
actors less of an excuse for not coming up with a, a, a great shot. Um, <laughs> something that Kit said earlier about the, the having a commercial photo versus a, a, a dramatic, a theater photo or a legit photo. In my experience in the sort of commercial world, going out for, for commercials and stuff, the photo becomes less of a, something that is less used uh, than it is in the legit world. And I know a lot of actors who put together a comp card, which is really the, you know, a series of shots of them in different, that is very specific. Uh, this is the product that I put out there. This is me as a doctor. This is me as a dad. This is me as, you know, whatever. And that can be incredibly useful, especially in the commercial world where mm -hmm. you as a product is a literal truth of what the experience is and what people are looking for from you, that you'll be representing a product as you. And to give them a very clear sense without needing to use too much imagination of the kind of things that you could be useful for, which is a whole other sort of subset of the headshot. Well, it's just it, it, that I, I think part of the reason that that's true is, is that in the theater world versus the commercial world, your job is almost the opposite. That if you're playing a doctor in a two-hour play, your job is to be a very specific doctor that could not be defined simply as doctor. In a commercial, though, mm -hmm. it's we're going to cut to you for two and a half seconds and you need to be overworked mother. Right. And that's why the comp cards are more important when you're looking for work in commercials rather than in theater work or, or film work necessarily. The other thing I think is important about a headshot is the quality of the photo itself. When you are looking at hundreds and hundreds of photos a day, it becomes very clear to the person looking at the photos what the quality, they can tell what a good photograph is and not just that accurately portrays you, but there are qualities of light and focus that after you've looked at thousands and thousands of headshots, you can see looking at the page. People will know if you paid a photographer or if you had your cousin take your pictures or if you, you know, paid for a cheap headshot photographer. They'll, they can tell probably the more they do it, like actually how much you paid. And they might even be able to tell who your photographer was by looking mm -hmm. at the photos. There, there's, you know, a some photographers have very specific styles and they might even be able to tell what, you know, city you're from just from looking at your photo without mm -hmm. even looking at your resume. All that stuff becomes apparent from the photo. And so choosing professional quality is, is, is something that's important. Not because people only want, you know, people who take really expensive headshots, but they want to know if they're looking for an excuse to put you in the no pile after they've looked after, you know, 400 headshots, it becomes an easy excuse like this person's not serious yeah. rather than this person doesn't have any money. It's, it's that they're not committed. And even that, that may not be true, but that's what it becomes. Yeah. And, and it was actually Jenny and I used to joke, and it's a little bit less true now actually as digital photography has gotten better we used to joke when we'd get headshots for a show that I, I, you could tell just looking at the picture whether the person was going was was a union actor or not whether they were equity or not and it was almost uncanny you could always tell but really what it was was that quality of the photo and that idea that this person has invested in their career it's a meaningful thing that somebody is in it for the long haul the people who've done that have probably also invested in classes and those sorts of things. It, it does make a, a difference, I think, in terms of the impression that you make. And something I think a lot of people ask, especially when they first get to New York, is, okay, how can I get a, a cheap headshot? And uh, the more I've thought about it over time, the answer is you don't. I mean, it really is your calling card. It's if you are really looking to make a career as an actor, it's about getting in the right rooms and looking again like you have made an investment in your career. It's the thing that's worth, you know, borrowing $800 from your grandmother to get a good headshot photographer to do a session with you. I actually have known a lot of people who've gone to those and you see them up all over the place. $125 will do your headshot and they've gone to eight. $125 headshot places until they find somebody who does a headshot they're happy with. So basically they, you know, spent $800 on a $125 headshot. I would, I would say two things in response to that, which A, I agree. Um, I would add that the investment that you make in your headshot and your resume and your career in a greater sense 
can be financial, but it's also an investment of time and care and dedication. And that if you don't have great resources that you are judging the photos that you get and that you're selecting from by the right criteria, mm -hmm. that you're putting care and effort into your resume, that you, uh, you know, are do, do putting that, that investment of time and that investment of uh, education and what is an appropriate and what is an effective headshot and resume is, 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 is equally valuable as an investment mm -hmm. as a financial investment because you can spend all the money in the world and, and pick the wrong photo to have printed. Um, you can spend all the money in the world on every class you can take and you, you know, uh, it won't help if you aren't looking for the right things and you aren't um, investing in your career in the other sense. And in terms of the photographers and the going with a, a bargain photographer versus an expensive photographer, I think really what you're paying for, what you're investing in is it, you're investing in the knowledge that you will get a good result. Mm -hmm. um, all of the people that now charge a grand for headshots most of them probably at one time did charge $125, but they're the ones who are still in the industry and are at the forefront of the industry. Mm -hmm. And have learned and in have their ears. And have learned in their ears. Yeah. Um, th but there, there is, you know, there is a chance that if you do uh, sit down with a photographer and do a shoot for $125, you may, you may get fantastic headshots, but the odds are not in your favor that that's going to happen. I also think it's important to realize too that what you're not going to do is you're not going to get a picture taken. You're going to get a headshot taken, which is a very specific kind of picture. And again, a big part of it is one that really is expressive in terms of character, that really is about you in the picture rather than about the picture. I, I mean, I actually have seen headshots that are beautiful photos, but I really kind of can't tell what the person looks like in them. You know, I can tell what the picture looks like, and the picture is beautiful. Right. You know, and I think a lot of things were sort of like a people will, you know, choose photos that are a little bit over overexposed because it, you know, softens their features in a way that they like. But the result is it, you know, sometimes they print them out and it kind of, you know, looks like a white mass with eyes in it. You know, and mm -hmm. sh sure enough, you don't see the the little creases they were trying to hide. You also don't see their nose. <laughs> you also yeah. don't see their nose. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the skills that a, um, an experienced headshot photographer mm -hmm. brings to the table is they'll take some time to get to know you and your work before they take your photo. Uh, to know what you are looking for in a headshot, what, what type of work you're looking for, and they can assist you in making choices as far as look, mm -hmm. uh, m you know, hair, makeup, clothes, setting, anything that that because they've taken a lot of headshots, they can help you make decisions. And that's why it's important to research your photographer. And they also know the industry standards, which I mm -hmm. think is, is, is very important in terms of you don't have to worry, am, do I, am I gonna have to pick out of the photos I've got the ones that look like a headshot? They will all look like a headshot. You know, they will all be framed in the right way that, that you could use as a, as a headshot if, you know, it. Your face is doing the thing you'd like it to do, or whatever it is that uh, is going to determine which shot you choose. I think also the experienced photographers will spend the time to develop a relationship with the person that they're shooting mm -hmm. as well. That that's a really crucial aspect of it is your comfort on location or in the studio or wherever you happen to be. That they make an extra, they take extra care because they recognize the relationship between the photographer and the actor. Uh, in the headshot is really key. I mean, your personality can't come across if you don't have any chemistry with the person that's shooting with you. And a, <clears throat> a talented and experienced headshot photographer will not only be good at developing that relationship, but will invest time and um, care into developing it as well. Do you guys have thoughts about how to find a good headshot photographer? Oh, a lot of it is word of mouth. Word of mouth, or um, if you're in New York, there's this place called Beer Productions that prints out your headshots, and I think I would say 95% of actors in New York go to them. Um, and they have in their lobby um, a bunch of headshot books of photographers that they recommend. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you have to be a certain caliber to make it into their book. So you know, usually 
you can take a look and see you know what kind of style you like and, and that kind of thing to, to help pick and I, th I think uh, you know obviously like you can you'll be able to tell quality or style from the photo looking through the books and books of photos like oh I like what this photographer does I like what this photographer does but you should also look at the people themselves and see if you can if you feel like you know them from looking at the photo mm -hmm. like even if all the photos of a particular photographer they kind of all the people kind of look the same that's not a good sign you want people who are different from each other and you can tell why just from looking mm -hmm. at their eyes in the photo basically yeah that's such a danger you see people going through books or websites i mean also you just google headshot photographers and the city you're in and things will come up but i think a lot of times you know you can get very attracted to oh look how beautiful all the people in these pictures mm -hmm. look like i want someone to come take a picture of me and i will look that beautiful which is a great thing to do if it's a photo you'd like to hang up in your house um, but if it's the one that you're sending around to make people feel like, oh, I know the person in this picture and I want them to come be in my play, you want to pick somebody who, when you look at the photos that they have taken of other people, that you feel like you know those people. And even potentially further than that, if I saw Jenny's new headshot, which I have, mm -hmm. and I think, wow, I know Jenny well, and that looks so, that is so Jenny. That's a good sign mm -hmm. that, that a photographer was able to uh, illuminate the, you know, the ethereal nature of actor A or B or C um, and brings that individuality and is able to bring it out of somebody that you know well, you know. And it really is something that is a skill uh, that photographers, you know, can have. That I mean, I've actually seen people who were fashion photographers who then did headshots, but in fashion photography, the person in the photo is there working for the picture and all of their headshots that, they, that they've taken, the person I'm thinking of, really looked very staged and the people in them always looked very afraid because they were being told mm -hmm. how to put their head and how to do. And the people who, uh, who are really great headshot photographers are really great at talking to people, putting them at ease, asking them the right kinds of questions that are going to put them into mindsets, knowing how to use music potentially, bring them to places that are evocative. I mean, I'm not a headshot photographer, so I don't know all the tricks, but those, those people uh, who are, you know, really are not really skilled at it. It's a real skill. It's something that's really impressive. Yeah. And especially if you see somebody and their whole book is full of people that look like themselves like even if you don't know them you know it looks like them. you want to yeah cast a show based on this photographer's book because they all seem like interesting individuals yeah. i wanted to pose something to everybody because i want it's i'm going to go off <laughs> we we're talking a lot about selecting the photographer and how to pick a photographer and how to pick a photo but what about the day of the shoot what do you guys i have some thoughts about it but for those of you that you know have taken headshots what do you find is useful and productive and produces the type of shots that make good headshots in terms of what an actor can do going into a shoot and ahead on of time? ahead of time and, and on the day of the shoot and at the shoot? I think if a good, good night's sleep is important. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, knowing, you know, if you wear contacts or something, like prepping yourself to like, because your eyes are a big part of the story and you want to make sure that your eyes look fresh for for the shoot and um i think thinking about your type and what you're trying to what kind of story you're trying to tell and and that kind of stuff i actually think to the extent it's possible it's helpful to try not to think too much about it if only because actors think themselves mm -hmm. in a circle about it and you know that idea especially if you've chosen your headshot photographer well right. if you can really go there and kind of put the impetus on them and you're just there to just be there and mm -hmm. that and to give them a you to capture mm -hmm. um i think if you've if if you've chosen a photographer well who's good at capturing those things you're going to get a much better result than if you're there acting that's in front true. of the camera that's true mm -hmm. to, because because you, what you want to do is be yourself and not some version of you that doesn't isn't actually you so right. yeah that's true you should that's a good point. Again, the, the good the good photographers will develop that that will they will foster that in the actor that they're working with, and they'll set up those guidelines for you going in. You know, make mm -hmm. sure you get a good night's sleep. Largely, you're there to be yourself, and um, I do know a lot of actors spend a lot of time stressing about it and short circuit themselves and get it them mm -hmm. you know take a lot of energy and misplace it into 
how to wrestle the, the greatest headshot out of the shoot that they're that they're about to to do, rather than bringing themselves to it and being themselves and 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 seeing what you get because what you will get is yourself if you bring yourself to it. If you bring a lot of effort and you bring a lot of worry and anxiety into the shoot, that's what's going to come across in your photos as well. And I would also be honest with your photographer. You know, your meeting beforehand or at the start of the day, if you are very self-conscious about some, I mean on one hand you should let the photographer do what they're doing and just be yourself but but if you know you don't like your arms or something you know what I mean to like have them be aware of it so that they, that you can not think about it and be worried that all of your photos will be showing your arms or you know stuff like that <laughs> and also I know I spend a lot of time worrying about outfit choices and what to bring and what to have there and what represents me and what I usually wear to auditions and stuff like that. And I would say make sure you bring clothes that you are comfortable in mm -hmm. too. That you're, you know, it's not a shirt that you feel self-conscious in or mm -hmm. whatever because you want to make it, you know, as comfortable for yourself as possible. And you want to bring a lot of different, um, uh, I think the word is values, color values, uh, like the difference between a, a white and a gray and a black, like they're diff next to your skin, they look different. So I'm not saying white and gray and black, but you know, a red or a light blue look different on your skin. And it's a good idea to bring a variety, but don't bring anything that you wouldn't want to be your headshot, like a shirt you hate mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Like don't bring that as an option because it might be the photographer's favorite color on you. It might even look good on you, but and you might be surprised by it, but you wouldn't want the bulk of your shots to be something that you automatically are rejecting because you hate it. Uh, but it's a good idea to bring variety. It's actually interesting. Um, my headshot photographer told me once, for the first time I went to her, to bring clothes as if I was packing to go on a weekend trip. So you have you know, some stuff that if you were to go out one evening for a nice dinner, you bring that option. You bring an option if you're just going to the store. You bring, you know, you bring different types of outfits too. Mm -hmm. But all, you know, what you would bring on a trip, so that you would look good on your trip. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's again a lot of it's about what we were saying at the beginning of the episode, which is looking like you. And so you want to bring things that if, if, if you don't want to be wearing a three-piece suit and walk in in a t-shirt and jeans and you know something something that you that you would wear and that you do wear and also that makes you feel comfortable and makes you feel confident mm -hmm. and makes you feel it'll, it'll make the shoot easier it'll make it easier on you it'll make it easier on the photographer it'll just make it all wonderful if you do that yeah and it, it's it, it's a, it is actually a fairly tricky balance because on one hand you want to bring a number of options you know so that you know, so that you can see, so you have options. You also want to bring things that feel both like you, but also like your product. Yeah. Um, you know, things that, that feel like what you, but you, you don't ever want to wear anything that feels like a costume, like it isn't something that you would be wearing in your life and get a picture captured of you. And there, you know, there are certain considerations and there are certain tricks and I have, especially with color, you know, and if I'm a redhead, I, you know, green will make my red hair sound and stuff. And like I have brown eyes, so if I have brown, it'll bring out my eyes and all that stuff are considerations, but they're so individualized and I think you will know what those things are for yourself. And those are also secondary to the primary thing of it should look like you. But there are little things you can add, but those are additions to your wardrobe. And I just think the most important thing about the day of is to go there and do whatever you need to do to not be a ball of anxiety about it. And a lot of it actually really has to do with having fun and that it's okay. And especially in this age of digital photography, there are, are I, I know that your headshots, Jenny, that you recently had taken, there's one, there's actually two or three really fantastic, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful photos of you that you could never do as a headshot because it was snowing that day and it's you throwing snow up in the air and playing. Those you can't use, but the next three shots in the roll are wonderful. And I think it's because it's carrying over the sense of fun you were having throwing snow around, but now you just turned and looked at the camera and you can feel it. And, you know, I think you need to give yourself permission to not be there working so hard <laughs> because we want to see what you really like and that's when it comes out.
And what about uh, makeup, uh, especially for the ladies, for uh, for on the day of the head show? Well, I will say your photographer um, will probably tell you this, but either they have someone that they have hired, you know, as part of the price or whatever that that they want to do your hair and makeup or they themselves will do your hair and makeup, but usually they have very specific thoughts That's about that. That's a good point, because they are invested in your shots going well, so they will only have somebody yeah, they're there not who, gonna... who knows what they're doing. If, they, if they've brought someone that they require you or seriously recommend that you use. It's because they know that their shots look good when this yeah. person does the makeup. And that's something you can certainly ask them, but oftentimes they'll tell you right off the bat what, what it is. But it's also important to advocate for yourself in terms of, you know, if, if they have someone who they strongly recommend, ask to see photos that they've taken that that person has done or ask if that person has a website that you can check out. And also be sure to really come in and, and with a clear idea of what you're about. And if you see them starting to tease your hair out into something that isn't you, say something. Because especially makeup and hair, that's going to be in every single shot that you take. Mm -hmm. So if they do your hair or makeup in a way that isn't you, no matter how much you do right the rest of the day, you're never going to get the shot you Because want. makeup can really, really change your look. It can, it can make you, you know... You might think you look better with the makeup, but if you're not going to do that makeup every time you walk into a meeting or an audition, mm -hmm. it isn't part of who you are. It has to, the makeup has to reflect the way that you look normally. And it's interesting because you can certainly feel free to ask too, like A, my photographer uh, also does the hair and makeup, and she asked me specifically what kind of makeup I wear to auditions. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I could tell her it's more of a natural look and I wear pinks and that kind of thing. And also she was doing something with my hair that I didn't know how to do and she taught me how to do it. You know what I mean? She told me, you know, this is, you can buy this straightener or whatever and this is what you can do um, to make your hair look like this because this is mm -hmm. something that will, you know, help you and, you know, your hair looks longer like this or, or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and you can really ask questions about how to recreate the that The same way yourself. that you would ask about the photographer, you can ask about the makeup artist mm -hmm. and, the, and the hairstylist, like, to communicate yourself to them. Mm -hmm. And things can work both directions, you know, that, that the same way that, you know, you're saying you want a headshot that looks like you and like you're going to look, at, look when you walk into the room, it also might be an opportunity to step back and say, okay, I'm paying $800 to go get my headshot taken, and I really feel like I want to be X made up like this for that photo. Maybe I ought to be making the effort to be made up like that every time I walk into a room. I mean, if you've decided this is actually, if it's worth your time to do that on the day of the shoot, it's probably worth your time to do that mm -hmm. every time you're out actually in the room with somebody. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I would, I would reiterate, too, that if you're listening to this episode of the podcast, it would be really useful to go back and listen to the typing, actor type episode, because the more that we discuss it, the more that they become linked in my mind. For example, for me, these days, I've got this kind of long curly hair that I didn't have in my old photo. And so as much as you want what, and that, that, that's a thing for a lot of people. I know it's Jenny too, you're going through a hair transition right now as well. No, really, and you yeah. are. And that's a consideration that you really took, you made the investment to take transitional hair headshots, yeah. headshots. Um, and it's something that I need to have because I kind of go back and forth but I often kind of have a lot of hair and you want to look like the guy that's in the photo or the girl that's in the and photo. And it's important too if you if you're I mean I guess males can do it too but if you're a female and you dye your hair and you know you used to be blonde and now you're suddenly redhead it's you know you need to figure out what you're gonna be and if you now want to be redhead get more shots taken. And when I do, I will cut my hair soon, and when I do, I'm gonna let my agents know that I've cut it, which is, you know, sort of a side note, but also they're gonna to switch to another photo and mm -hmm. send that photo out so that people will know what to expect when I walk in the door. Hmm. So now that we've talked about what you do uh, leading up to the day and on the day, after the day, your headshot photographer is going to send you a disc full of pictures, and that is when the madness begins, has been my experience um, with actors and them posting 19 pictures on Facebook and asking every person they know to look at their photos. How do you go about selecting your photo? I usually bring it to one or two select people that I trust, that understand the business. Like, I've brought them to you in the past. It's been a while. But, um... 
just people who who know what people that casting are looking for, and mm-hmm. and sometimes you're not a good judge of what you actually look like. Yeah. And so. and if there's um, a professional in your life that you are close to, either your agent or manager or a casting director that you have a really good relationship with, ask them. They're the ones that see headshots all the time and presumably know you very well and you know can kind of give you the best advice. If there are pe- if there are professionals who you respect and especially professionals who you respect who in some way your career and theirs are entwined together. I mean yeah. certainly and uh, you know an, an agent would certainly be somebody but yeah. a director you work with frequently or something like that. You know those are people who not only are going to give you good advice because they want to give you good advice but also give you good advice because it will do good for them yeah. if they've given you good advice. That's mm-hmm. very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, one thing also I will say is, you, I think no actor should ever pick their own headshot. I, I just, right. I, people don't know what they, act, literally people don't know what they look like. You look different in a mirror than you do in life and certainly all of the baggage that you've been carrying with you since junior high. Um, <laughs> I, I, Earlier. have never seen yeah I don't think I've <laughs> ever seen an actor who has independently chosen their headshot and they say this is the one I think I'm going to go with that has ever made the first bit of sense to me because <laughs> I think early on like um, we're talking about this to help you avoid some of these traps but the, one of the first in- instincts can be to choose the shot where you look the best where where you are the happiest with how you look and it's probably not what you usually look like you, you look like that in that photo, you can look like that, but it's not most of the time. And it's, you're skewing the scale in a way that doesn't serve you. So, you know, to, even to the point where people will pick a shot that is like this gorgeous picture, it does not even look like you. Somehow they got this photo of you and it doesn't <laughs> look like you. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a model and you're not a model. And and people will look at that shot and expect a model, and when you walk in the room and are not a model. You're a model citizen. But you're <laughs> I mean, it's, and your friends might do that too, people who are not professionals. They might pick the one where you look the most like a model rather than the one that looks most like you because mm-hmm. they also want you to look your best. They, in their experience of looking at photos on, you know, the, the the camera that, that you took together, you deleting the ones that don't look good, you're always trending to, to the best photo of you. And this is a different thing. This is a representation of you and not you looking the most awesome. It does require a level of brutal honesty, not like, oh, you look super pretty in this one, this should be your headshot, but this is, you look like you in this headshot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went through something like this recently because right after I got photos taken, I, I had a sit down with uh, with agent, so I went. I picked one, and I got a couple printed up at Reproductions, and I sat down. And the first thing is that we want to work with you, but you have a terrible headshot. It's just awful. It doesn't look like you. And I I didn't even pick one that made me look like really great. I just picked one that was I don't know what the criteria were that I used to pick it. <laughs> it just seemed like fine, you know. And maybe I I just seized up and closed my eyes and pointed at the um, screen of my computer. But they really said, you know, and the way they broke it down there, it was very smart. They said, you bring in A, B, C, and D when you come into the room, and we don't see any of those four things in the photo. It's a picture of you, but it doesn't bring any of you to it. And uh, I gave them my, you know, mm-hmm. the proofs or the, the disc, and they picked some options, and, you know, we, we worked it out. And so as somebody who I think, you know, I have... A healthy self-image, and I, I think I have you know some wisdom about the business, and I've, I've been doing it for a while, and I still am incapable of picking my own photo, yeah. um, and I, I'm okay with that, and I, 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 yeah. I just have to accept that that's the fact. And this may be sort of a relic of a time of film, but it can be useful even now, like when you, especially when you get a disc of photos, there's so many, and some of the variations are so minute that it's hard, it's hard after a while to even see what the difference is between the one right after the other. Trying to narrow it down, like first you're looking at them in a context of like on a screen or like printed out small, you know, so that you can see as many of them at once. You want to kind of narrow your pool and narrow your pool. And as you do, you want to print them larger and larger. And nowadays, you, you print fairly cheaply off of an inkjet. But ultimately, when you're choosing your shot, you want to choose from an 8 by 10 
Your last, cho your last choice, you need to see it laying on the table the way that they're going to see it is the full size version of it. And not on a screen. And not on a screen because yeah. the colors will be different. Right. And, and you know, the, the digital version of that is, you know, one that is from a, a TIFF file. Like the high res, you get them all, the, your final options together and you get them printed out as yeah. they will be as a headshot. Mm -hmm. So you can really see how it'll how to look on the table in a casting director's that's office. Because not that's not a discovery you want to make after you've printed 500 of them. Exactly. Something else about selecting your headshot that I think is really critically important is that really your eyes are at the center of it and you want, you want to pick a shot that really showcases your eyes because that's the you know, doorway or window. That's to your personality, to your look, it's going to, if you're you know, looking directly at the camera and your eyes are in focus and clear, that is going to have a greater impact. That's such a big part of what's gonna make it an effective photo for, uh, as, a, as, a act, as a tool for the actor and also to the person who's auditing in the room. It'll catch their eye if you're looking them in the eyes and your eyes are clear. And a great thing to check when you're looking at those high-res images is if you, you wanna be able to zoom in on the eyes of the, the the photo that you are considering using as your headshot and that they should really be the clearest and most in focus part that if they're even a little blurry the eyes as the, your expression of your personality is going to be slightly blurry I think clarity in your eyes and picking your headshot is really a key thing that you want to take special note of and it's I mean it's so important I I've shared some of my you know headshot potentials with one of my casting director friends and literally what she said was your eyes in this picture your eye like she yeah. kept mentioning the mm -hmm. eyes that's it's across the board one of the most mm -hmm. important things mm -hmm. absolutely and i mean i know when i'm shuffling through headshots and looking that the ones that catch my eyes are the ones that catch me in the eyes when right eyes. i mean it really is it's it's like it's like it's looking back at you i mean i think yeah like that is the most important thing because yeah. yeah and i think we are not ever going to convince people to not show every person they know their headshot <laughs> when they're trying to choose. Um, and you know what, I'm not necessarily sure it's a bad idea to get different ideas. I do think it's very important to go to people who you do have that special relationship we talked about before and to at least weight theirs in a significant way. But I think it does help when you're showing people to really frame what you're asking them. Not to say I'm picking my headshot, which should be my headshot, especially if you are talking to people who are not in the business, which actually can be helpful if you're really trying to say, you know, but if you're really trying to, you know, get a sense of, you know, what looks like you, for instance. But if you ask that question, you know, if you say, look at these pictures, which of these looks most like I actually look? without the pressure of, because that's the one I'm going to choose, maybe it's not the one you're going to choose. But if you ask that question rather than which should be my headshot, you'll get an answer. Uh, similarly, if you're asking people who are in the business and do know things, actor friends, and you know your product, your type, the kinds of roles you want to go for, say, which of these are going to most likely get me called in for you know, prior in Angels in America, if that's one of the ones that you want to get. That can be a really helpful way, hmm. you know, to sort of get people's opinion, you know, to filter it in a way that they're answering the question that you want. Or if you have a list of adjectives, you know, to say, you know, pick which one of these photos looks most X, looks most Y, looks most Z. And then you can, you're just collecting a lot of data that then you can say, you know what, I asked different people and this seemed to be a photograph that not when I was asking if it was good, not when I, but when I was asking what makes me look most intellectual, what makes me look most aggressive, what makes me look most compassionate. It was interesting how many people kept landing on this photo. So maybe that's a photo that actually encompasses a lot of the things that I want to show about myself. I think in the same way that we are advocating going into your shoot and into your um, photographer selection process with your head on your shoulders, and with a sense of yourself and your identity and what you're looking for and a healthy perspective, I think any crowdsourcing you do with your photos, mm -hmm. you should enter with the same perspective and the mm -hmm. same head on your shoulders. And you know that if, 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 if you, the casting director um, loves the photo and your mom hates it, you know, 
don't freak out because mom doesn't like it because mom would probably give you every job anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and also mom's not a casting director, you know, and mom wants you to look your best. Or mom wants you to look, I don't know. Don't freak out. Mom's got her own thoughts. Person A or person B. Not a, people have different opinions, and at the end of the day, um, there's not a right answer. It's not about finding the one thing or the perfect thing. There is an option that will serve you well that you can find if you uh, enter the process with your head on your shoulders and don't waste too much time or energy um, getting caught up in the uh, the identity stuff and the, the image issues and all of that. And really um, use it as a functional tool because it's something that's going to be part of your toolkit as an actor for several years. Yeah. Um, and look at it with that sort of pragmatism I think is very useful. Mm -hmm. And don't freak out the second that you see the photos either. You know, you, you might have 800 photos. You don't need 70 awesome headshot options. And that's just something to be prepared for. They You're not going to, yeah. You will take 800 photos and there will be six of them you can bear to look at. I mean, that's just yeah. the reality of it. It's choosing among those, among those six that, you know, is going to be the, the trick. You know, again, which one is the best commercial for you? Right. And, and, and like Jersey said, like, it's going to be with you for several years. That's something that you should bear in mind is that it's not a permanent representation of you. Eventually, you're going to change and replace it. And, you know, if, if you change sooner, you can replace it sooner. Or if you magically look the same age for five years, which you should check with people. <laughs> well, like a doctor? <laughs> Dermatologist? Honest friends can let you know if it's time for a new headshot. Yeah, that's really point. Um, but it's, it's yeah. not permanent. Like, it's, it's something you're investing in, and it's, you know, it's, it's got an obsolescence date coming. So when that comes, you'll have a chance to do it all over again with everything you've learned from this one. And that's something that goes back again to the typing discussion we had. I think it was last season, whenever we had it. Um, but that it, it is something that I think Tim advocated, and I think it's generally a good idea, about once a year to kind of do a check-in on your type. It's not a bad idea to kind of bundle in uh, your headshot into that and you know, just you know, take some time, pass it around to people you know, and say, does this still look like me? Well, to the extent that your headshots are the calling card or the commercial for your product and your type is your product, that, that's, that's totally true. And another thing about you're going to change physically and you're going to look different and you're going to grow your hair, cut your hair, and, you know, stuff's going to happen. Um, but also, you're going to get more savvy about the business. You're going to get better. Like your first headshot, resume combo, and this is going to apply for resumes too, which we're going to get to later. It's not going, it, you're going to get better at this whole thing. And that you'll learn from the process with each subsequent time. And that as you're updating your resume, you're updating your headshot, you will become more aware of the things that you're cast as, of what your reputation in the industry is, what your strengths are, what people know about you when you walk into the room and what they don't know about you. Um, and what you put into your headshot and resume will really reflect that. You're really telling a larger story about your career. So as your career becomes longer, the story becomes longer and you become a better storyteller. And the headshot and the way that you take that shot and the way that you select the headshot and the resume will reflect that. Before we move on to uh, resumes, which we should move on to, there's one more step to the whole process once you've picked which headshot you want and all of that, that you then have the opportunity to do uh, touch-ups on it, uh, airbrushing sort of things. You guys have thoughts on uh, on the best way to go about that? Well, I think you just need to be, I, I, I don't know, I'm a huge fan of minimal to no touch-ups because that's, you have to be you're not going to walk up with yeah. a you know, wake up every morning and have a touch-up machine in your house <laughs> that you can... But there are circumstances where if you have an unusual, unusual dark circles you never have, mm -hmm. or things like that, or just... But you have to be honest with yourself about, are these, these wrinkles are there, they're there, so... Yeah, and, and there really is, as much as we've been beating the drum, because it is the mistake that people often make about you're not there to take a glamour shot, you're not there to take a beauty shot, you're not there to take the once-in-a-lifetime you know, moment of perfection, photograph and send that to people. You want something that looks like you. But again, it's, it's, it's a marketing tool. So you want the best version of you. Um, you know, so that is part of the things you want to pick photos and all of the stuff we've been talking You want to get a good night's rest before you go and all of those things where it's going to look like you, but it's going to look like you at your best. And that includes the touch-ups with that idea of if you have a pimple that you don't normally have, 
take that take out. It out. Yeah. If you've got a mole you're not crazy about, you know what? You're going to have it when you show up in the room. You shouldn't take it out of the photo even if you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of minimal, minimal retouching as well. And there are different trends and different sort of styles and a very natural light and harsh light and studio light and all that. Mm -hmm. And people do touch-ups at different levels. And really, actually, at you know, reproductions, they, they sit you down in the room and you do it together with the, the, the retouching expert, which is, you know, is a harrying experience to zoom in 1,000 times on your face. But to, that's where you are, you know, and it might look like the surface of the moon. But, you know, when somebody has it on... <laughs> Their desk in an eight by ten, you know, it, it'll look like you, and, and that's really important. So you want to get the, you know, the pimples, or the if you have red eyes, or you stray hairs, which I had a lot of in mine, you know, um, you you can retouch that stuff out. I mean, you do want to look your best, and you want it to be a great calling card for you, but for you, and not for a cartoon character that they drew over the top of your face. <laughs> well, something we didn't actually talk about for men is facial hair. Oh yeah. Because um, I. I know some people try to like retouch away their stubble and stuff. So mm -hmm. you should keep. That's one of the things that you should prep as a man, like for how much facial hair you're gonna have. It, it the same thing. Like it's gonna so that people aren't surprised when you walk in, you know, clean shaven, or if you always have like three days growth or whatever, yeah. or if you, I don't know, have a mustache or something. It, it, that's something that could change from week to week. I think for for most people, uh, you know, what you're. But it's it's best to consider that. I would say that what the things that I said about my hair length earlier would all apply to facial hair as well. And I know a lot of actors who have shots, even over the course of one shoot, will shave their goatee or their mustache mm -hmm. or their beard, just mm -hmm. to have it so if they decide to shave or they need to shave or they need to go in for a younger role or an older role, that they let the that the agent will make that choice or they'll say, hey, do you still have your beard? Do you still have your goatee? Um, That's a good to one. have that as an option. And yeah. I, I do know uh, quite a few male friends who, if they have a beard or something, they'll shave and then take Maybe another series of shots, mm -hmm. you know. All right, so I think we can then assume that everyone at this point has a perfect headshot <laughs> and now needs something to staple to the back of it, uh, <laughs> namely their resume. We're going to end the discussion here for this episode. Join us next episode as the conversation continues with a discussion of resumes. If you enjoy our podcast, you can get it automatically by subscribing through iTunes, where you can also post a review or rate the podcast. If you have questions or comments for us, please write us at podcast at cryhavoccompany.org. To learn more about the Cry Havoc Company, visit us online at www.cryhavoccompany.org. So for Kit, Jenny, Carrie, Jersey, and all the artists at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.